yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we recording our own audio? <laughs> oh, yes, we should record. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Have have oh, that's a good here. point. We might need to synchronize again because I wasn't fine. recording either. I just clapped. <laughs> <laughs> just clapped. That's a good that's thing awesome. you asked that question. That could have been disastrous. December 19th, 2016. I'm Ryan. I'm Sandy. I'm Yannick. I'm Davis. I'm also Ryan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Keep it going. I'm not Ryan. I'm Leon. There it is. And this is Pixels Weekly. What's up, mega episode? Mega episode. How many, how many of us are there? I didn't even count. There are Too many. one, two, three, four, five, six people on the show today. Right, packed in shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> That's right. We're, yeah, we're all, we're all the in same one tiny car. ten by ten room. <laughs> it's cold and, out. You gotta uh, keep it warm. It's yes, it's a body heat situation, isn't it? I'm getting weird flashbacks. We just recorded a show where we did this exact shtick. Uh me and Ryan and, <laughs> and two Kane and Rince guys, we were all trapped in a in a virtual log cabin um while we listened to music. And uh and now I feel like I've somehow been teleported into a different log cabin with different Americans. It's all very confusing. <laughs> it's true. Well, we wanted to keep you obviously enjoyed the experience because mm, you signed it. up for it again. Let's let before, you know, I'm, I guess listeners, we've it's been a while since we've had you on. So let's reintroduce Mr. Leon Cox and Ryan Heyman of Sound of Play and Kane and Rince. Thank you so much for being on the show, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Yes, this is very cool. Now, uh, in lieu of doing news and all the usual stuff, it's the end of the year. We're taking a couple weeks off, and we thought it was only fitting to do a Pixels Weekly Game of the Year. But there's a there's a rule that I've applied to the whole gang, which is it's the Game of the Year, and none of us will be talking about Overwatch. It won Game of the Year at the Game Awards. That's kind of an obvious uh, pick for a lot of people. So in lieu of that, I asked people to bring three games that they've played this year, and I figured we would just go through each of our lists and have a discussion about why these things are our favorite games this year. What do you guys think? I think that sounds great. Sounds good. How are we gonna are we gonna start with our number three and work our way up? Mm. Or which way are we doing this? I think that's the best, right? Because that way the listener listens to the end for that sweet, <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you wanna tease that up a little bit. Uh just make sure that if Davis make sure that if Davis mentions O dubs, it's still gonna be overwatched. Just just make yes. sure that he's not it's not even just that it's not even just that it won game of the year. It's that we've talked about it for the past like five shows. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired of that stupid game. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess uh, let's let's start with uh, let's start with you, Leon. Oh, I hadn't thought about an order. You've put me right on the spot. Oh. Um, so uh, as it give me some thinking time. Well, so I'll, to do that, I'll say um, listeners to Pixels Weekly. Um, may or may not be familiar with our format over at Kane and Rince, which is where yeah. we take a very deep dive into uh, an individual game once a week for 50 weeks of the year. And um, we all have to have completed the game in question. There's no, I just played the first level and it was the best thing I ever saw and then ducking out. So no matter how, 
how big or long or difficult the game. Um, there have been a few exceptions for technical reasons and, and other things. And obviously some games are kind of non-completable, but generally the rule is you have to at least see the credits roll and preferably uh, even do a bit more than that. But um, so <clears throat> as you can imagine, that takes up a lot of our time. And while I've acquired, that is to say bought or received uh, many, many games, about 275 games this year. Um, of those, only a fraction of those are 2016 games and an even smaller fraction of the games that were released in 2016 are games that I've actually you know, invested any serious time into. Yeah. So I'm looking at a list now. I've, I've whittled it down to about 11 games. So I'm trying to think uh, of, a, of a number three. So I'm going to start with Inside. Um, why oh, not? Oh, very uh, good. Mm, yes. Very good. Inside is also on my list. <laughs> good. Okay. Well, we can, uh, yeah, I don't know how you want to do it, amalgamate or uh, or come back to uh, give your own impressions. Um, but my experience of Inside was um, I kind of, I'd lost sight of it uh, during its development, which was fairly protracted. Good sort of, I think it was five years between Limbo and Inside, maybe yeah. even six. Obviously, Limbo in the meantime was ported over to multiple different formats and, and so on. Um, I bought it back on day one on Xbox Live Arcade and finished it, and we did a podcast on it sometime later. Uh, and since, you know, other copies have come into my possession via, you know, PlayStation Plus or whatever, backwards compatibility, indie bundles, you know, the usual thing. Um, and I played Limbo um, all the way through once and also done quite a lot of the collecting and some of the other stuff and i liked limbo um i think it was a it was a little uneven and and there were some elements to it which uh you know could have done with a little extra sort of refinement and i think most of that was was put into inside uh and although it bears some similarities to to limbo in sort of tone and aesthetic it does inside does have its own atmosphere so um yeah i bought this when it was brand new on xbox one when it was briefly fairly briefly an xbox one exclusive and i played it in one session um from 10 p.m to 2 a.m one saturday night sunday morning it's kind of the perfect uh, way to do it especially if you're a little drowsy and you know just in that <laughs> yeah, perfect headspace no it's actually kind of funny because i think i think when you hear some of my picks like a similar situation where i think the the ones where i sit down and do it in one sitting and get the most out of it for a long extended period of time i sort of come away with a stronger reaction to it mm, yeah especially with something it's, it's quite intense it's quite short it's a you know it's a four-hour game and and you can see the whole thing from start to finish and there's a real through line of both story even though it's a wordless story and also of uh, experience for the for for your protagonist um mm. the ending is open to some interpretation as to kind of what's been going on it's it's definitely not spelled out and the very very end which i'm not spoiling but you guys can if you want um is somewhat uh, divisive in in the, the you know what happens at the, the very final moments i don't know are we saying are we, are, uh, are we saying or are we Davis, not saying? Davis, you intend to play this game still? Yes. Oh, okay. This is true. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we'll so see. I will. I will keep. I will keep it. Um, I'll keep it under wraps. It's. Well, uh, I was just going to say. So uh, you clearly have like hold the game in high regard, and mm-hmm. Limbo released like you said on Xbox Live Arcade, and that was back in a time where I think the landscape of indie games was much different, and in it's more like infant stages. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? inside being released in a more modern era of inside gaming years 
beyond limbo uh, affected like the mindset that you went into it with? Did you hold did you hold higher expectations of what it was going to provide to you? I think like a lot of people were so surprised by games like Braid and Limbo in mm. the sense that they didn't have any expectations. The indie game you know landscape was just still so young. But then something like Inside rolls along from a studio with a reputable game like Limbo. Do you do you think that affected how you were going to judge that game going into it? I guess to a point, just in the sense that. I, I knew and liked Limbo. I probably wouldn't have thought so much about it in the wider context of of other games, uh, you know, or like a scene. I prefer to try to treat each game as its own entity. Um, but obviously you do, you know, if you're aware of, of development, it's kind of, you know, the scene and, and, and whatever, you, you must take in a little bit of baggage with everything you play. You can't live, you can't live in a vacuum. But... Um, so I suppose what I was looking for was a game that did all the things I liked about Limbo, but did kind of, you know, smooth off some of those rough, rough edges, um, perhaps a more even difficulty curve and um, perhaps better communication to the player in some areas and things like that and less sort of moments of frustration. And I think I think it delivered on all that. Um, but yeah, as in terms of like my expectations for independently develop, developed games, I think they've been that the the expectations or the or the my perception my experience of how good uh how much i can enjoy uh small you know studio games has been the same forever and i suppose um i feel like i always say things like this on podcast but it's kind of my it's kind of my uh role so um because i started playing games in the early 80s uh late 70s early 80s when most games were programmed by one or two people mm. and i loved them and i still love some of those games it doesn't really make any difference to me that you know like it it's kind of to me i'm more likely i feel like i'm more likely to have affection for team uh, games developed by small teams of of auteurs with with a coherent yeah aesthetic vision than i am of triple a stuff which i love some of it you know i really like some of the big budget big studio stuff there's some astonishing games out there in that way but actually a lot of the times i have the most affection for things that are made by a smaller team so yeah i absolutely don't i don't go into independent games thinking well this can't you know this can't be any good because only one guy made it i mean look at stardew valley or uh, or uh, undertale yeah. or stuff like that you know, I think also if you just look at the landscape of the game awards uh, and the nominations for the different categories, not even just the indie game category, but mm. uh, it was littered with with games from small development teams. Sure. Uh, so that's that's really exciting to see. And I think like for some reason there seems to be a correlation between those small teams and sort of I guess the the level of emotion that gets put into those games, and you know I guess sort of like the emotional uh, more serious reaction that I have from games is stronger with these these smaller games that just i don't know if they there feels to be there seems to be like a, a larger attention to detail it has um, to go through fewer filters yeah yes yeah, right it, it gets less possible. smoothed out right it, it still has its its rough edges which i think add character to the game uh and, and it's not necessarily trying to appeal to every single human being that could possibly ever pick it up you know it's it's obviously i liked inside quite a bit in terms of how it played, its aesthetic, all these things. But like you, Leon, I I actually bounced off of uh, Limbo because there was something about that game that I think it was a little bit too much a slave to its own aesthetic. And it there were times where when it was trying to say, hey, this is the thing you should be looking at, this is the thing you should be focused on, it, it wasn't communicating it effectively for me. And... 
yeah, I don't know if inside inside never felt like, hey, look at this shadow atmosphere. Isn't this cool? It always felt it always felt super, uh, I guess, honest in terms of being a game and what is sort of highlighted and what is the next thing to do while at the same time maintaining a very, very strong atmosphere. Um, and yeah, I guess, I don't know. I'm super drawn to the fact that it was so good and so short. <laughs> it was nice mm. having a short game this year because I think there was two, you know, we talked about last week, too many games maybe came out this year. Let's go to Sandy, Sandra. For me, it would have to be my number three would have to be Street Fighter Five. Street Fighter Five. Yeah, you guys know, like I, I love <laughs> esports. It's not the game with the most content per se, but mm-hmm, I did yeah. go out and purchase uh, two fighting sticks. I do go out to a lot of events just to like meet the people, meet the community, and the game itself. It's the game, the characters, the personalities, and the people that play it, it's just so much fun to be around. Uh, it's a community game for me. So Street Fighter Five is my number three game. I was going to say, I don't really know much uh, uh, about Street Fighter and its history and its its past, or just f- kind of finding games in general, but um, being like the fifth installment of like a really storied franchise, do you, do you sense that there's any amount of... I mean, clearly, I guess if you're holding the the game this this highly regarded, then I don't necessarily know that. I think I might know the answer to this question. But do you do you sense any sort of a complacency on their part in terms of, you know, I, I think that you see something like this with a game like Super Smash Brothers too, where like they they want so badly to evolve it as they add sequels and they grow the game and they grow the audience and they try to appeal to newer and younger audiences that may not have had experiences with the earlier games. Do you do you sense any sort of complacency with the Street Fighter series, or do, or do you do you think they're doing like new innovative things to try to pull in new audiences? I have to say, I mean the game has grown a lot it's in terms of mechanics and how it plays it's very similar to you've got 1v1 players um you fight you have to figure out what the hitbox is and what move is going to do the most damage so it's not really something that is going it's not something that they're changing it's more of like changing the animations changing the the visuals of the game to make sure that it's up to it's up to par it's not really a game story it's the iconic characters and can we keep building on that library of iconic characters and have people play that and the the grassroots community around it is kind of what is keeping that game alive and it's what's keeping that game moving which is what's what's really nice that that game I it, let me ask you this Sandy because when I because very early on in the year, I got Street Fighter Five right to play with you, mm-hmm. um, and I, I was just like I I didn't enjoy it because there was no kind of versus computer experience for me, and the story was you know not really an experience. It was just kind of a cutscene before a match, and and a short cutscene at that, if that. Um, so I'm, I'm I guess my question to you is: Do you think Street Fighter Five? is a misstep in terms of those things or do you think it is a like fighting games don't actually need to have stories or campaigns anymore or or versus cpu yeah i don't think you you need that you need the you fight against the computer so you get better so you learn the moves and you can improve over time but the draw to that kind of game is the player versus player i want to talk to someone i want to bring people to my house and I want to go, hey, it's me and me versus you, best two out of three, let's see who wins. Uh, let's go to these competitions. Let's see who who's better at the game. Let's see who's the, the trash-talking 
that that's kind of what the fighting games are. You don't really need a story. At the end of the day, it's like, how many buttons can I hit to out-hit you and get your life down within a minute? Which is nice, because the games go really quickly. You build up this... Um, it's like watching boxing. You, you build up this hype and this ambition. Let's, let's see who can out-strategize the other person. Not really, can I play against a computer? Personally, yeah. I'd rather play against a human being than play against the, the computer. Fair enough. Street Fighter Five. I love it. Yannick, what do you got? Um, so I have um, I've had a, a little bit of time making that list as well. Uh, I remember um, going through um, my list of games that I've played, and I remember uh, especially trying to find out which one was the most disruptive in my gamer life this year. Um, I had uh, I had a little bit of a um, an, 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 a new experience that I've never felt before, and that was on mobile games. I've never been really into mobile games in the past, um, except for that quick platformer on the subway, you know, um, or that quick board game on the subway. And I I dived into Clash Royale, and I have to put this one as my third. Oh um, man, Clash I have to Royale! Put this one as my third. Oh, um, no. How much money have you spent? Zero. And oh, that's the okay. that's All that's right. the good part of it. I I had I had my fun with it without spending a dime, and I've seen many. Uh, I think one of the um, lead designer at Bungie recently tweeted about that game. That's why it made me remember and probably made me take my final decision. And he was like saying the same thing that he didn't spend a dime and really had some fun. Um, it's the first game where I was able to challenge my friends. Uh, my colleagues played with me a lot. It was really a good bonding experience with some friends. And uh, and yeah, especially also this game mode, this type of game mode, you know, like tower-based and a little bit of Hearthstone. And it's hard for me to describe it. It's almost a genre in its own. Um, if you guys have another game that, that feels like in a similar way, um, I mean, it's a little tower defense, right? And it's a little card a little game tower simultaneously. Defense. Yeah, it's kind of like three towers on each side, and you play your cards offensively or defensively, depending on what they are. And um, and and I went through the ranking, and I I feel I felt exactly the same way that when we feel when wait for it, I'm gonna have to mention it, but I feel the same way uh, than Overwatch when you play those competitive matches and try to rank up. Um, they have that same ladder system where you go from arena um, from arena to another depending on your ranking, and um, and yeah, I spent so much so many hours on it. I I could not not mention it today, um, because yes, my mobile my my gaming experience was also materializing itself with my iPhone, and um, and it was a really fun time. I stopped playing. Um, for various reasons, I mean, mainly lack of time, but also just boredom. I, I kind of hit a gap in the in the ranking system. Um, but they keep on adding new cars, they keep on adding new content, and they don't ask you to pay for it. Um, they kept on improving the game, they kept on adding new game modes, uh, tournaments, and uh, and it's one of the few mobile games. I mean, we there is another one I forgot. There is a MOBA game that really makes his way into esports as well on mobile. Forgot the name of it. I'm trying to remember. But e Clash Royale had a really, really great production every time they had esports events, and uh, and it was quite fun, uh, to be honest, quite fun. And I I still have it on my phone, stuck in a corner. I know I will go back to it eventually, just to have fun with my friends again. Um, but yeah. Did anybody else play Clash Royale this year? No. 
No. You did say <laughs> you should get get on it. You I have not. So so we have a, a like a, a Discord that several of us participate in um, back from our time at Squarespace and uh, and some friends of friends in there and they have a specific Clash Royale channel in there that Yannick goes ham on and throughout all of the pushing and prodding to try to get me on there I just could never get myself to download it. God, there's something already about esports that make me feel like a crotchety old man when you but an, stack an e-sports mobile esports. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. so they sit in those feel. big. They sit in those big thrones with iPads and um, and yeah, and they battle against each other. It's like mostly one v one, and uh, actually only one v one. And and the production is pretty great. Uh, I remember even some live stream were were pretty fantastic. And, and how do you uh, live stream an iPad? You can. Wait. Well, you must have to do uh, the iPad can HDMI out. And yeah, welcome to our tech podcast, by the way. Something. You can HDMI <laughs> out with a dongle, and then you can run a like a game capture through the HDMI port. Yeah. All right, uh, Clash Royale. Well, if you adapters. had asked me that, if uh, if Street Fighter and a mobile game would have been on anybody's game of the years this year, I would well, have laughed. Asked, but yeah. here you I am. Ask me. Uh, yeah, you asked us to be a little bit, uh, bring some variety into our awards, and I love it. it. All right, let's, uh, Mr. Ryan, mm-hmm. Sound of Play. First, let's let's talk about Sound of Play for a second. How many episodes deep are you guys? How How's the year been for Sound of Play? Well, we've just recorded our 73rd today. And so, uh, yeah, we are almost 100 in. We're uh, kind of, we're looking forward to that milestone anyways. We've turned from a bi-weekly, or is that the fortnightly? That's probably a safer way to say Ooh, it. Like a that. fortnightly show to a That's weekly show a uh, probably about a year ago. And we've been going uh, pretty steadily since then. Um, always playing lots of uh, excellent video game music and occasionally having some uh, some special shows, longer specials that are dedicated to just one series in particular, or uh, we'll have um, musicians or composers on to talk about their experiences. So yeah, it's always uh, lots of variety on that show. That, do you feel the need to play any of the games that come up on the show? Yeah, every once in a while. Uh, usually it's... Um, songs that are requested from the community they'll include a little blurb about why they chose the song and sometimes the descriptions of the songs are so appealing that you know they definitely uh, make their way onto my uh, shamefully long to play list eventually yes yeah i get guilt about my backlog too i have a quick question i've talked in the past a little bit about um i'm like thoroughly enjoying and fascinated by the evolution of voice acting in video games Mm -hmm. and sort of like the higher caliber of voice actors that are starting to come to the genre. This is where I I agree. I disagree with Davis because I don't think Hollywood actors are good voice actors. So, and and that's, that's, I stand strong on that. (laughs) And I would, I would like Brian's opinion on this as well. Yeah. As far as a voice acting goes, um, I don't think there's anything necessarily that precludes Hollywood talent from being good voice actors because they do have a lot of the training that's kind of necessary to be able to like access that part of their brain to go into that. But at the same time, they've also been training their entire lives to act for screen, which is um, very subtle acting and very small acting because Mm -hmm. the screen like amplifies everything thousands and thousands of times. Um, And so, you know, when you're voice acting, you have to go a little bit more extreme and a little bit more boisterous, kind of like you would if you were uh, acting for the stage. And so uh, I, I think that they they have the necessary skills probably, but that switch to turn into to turn from like the 
Hollywood acting to voice acting doesn't always successfully switch over in their minds. And so we've got a few uh, real kind of standout, just poor performances from people who are otherwise very talented actors. And I, I think that's part of the reason for it. Funnily enough, I did a, an interview podcast yesterday with a voice actor, a guy called Raphael Corkill, who's uh, from London, but he's now based in New York. He's recently been in Uncharted 4 and Titanfall 2 um, and Elder Scrolls Online. And we had this exact uh, same conversation. Obviously, as an actor, he's done theatre, he's done some short films, uh, he'd like to do more movies and stuff. Um, we were talking about the difference in the in the skill set and we were talking about... I was saying how, um, so you know, I I sometimes don't enjoy the stunt casting of big names, but it's obvious why they do it. You know, you if you can have um, Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake on your trolls poster, it's going to mean more to more people than you know some of the great voice artists who just do uh, just do that. You know, like the Animaniacs guys or, or lots of the guys that we know, guys and girls from the the video game voice acting community. But the skills are transferable. Um, to an extent, as Ryan says. Um, and I, I actually think it's interesting. This is another thing we talked about. You can listen to this interview coming up on the Kane and Rince feed in the next couple of weeks. Um, that in Grand Theft Auto Five, they actually moved away from stunt casting, like big name casting, whereas in previous uh, 3D, uh, you know, modern era Grand Theft Autos, there were a lot of big name stars in there. Um you know, Dennis Hopper and Sam Jackson and Chris Penn and Burt Reynolds and so on and so forth. In GTA five, there's there are very few name actors. Um and obviously in the case of Stephen Ogg, who played one of the lead characters and also gave something of his likeness to Trevor, he is now becoming a well known T V actor in his own right on things like The Walking Dead. So mm. um it can almost now act as a if if you get the right part in a video game as a as a less well-known actor it could actually be a, a springboard to a to a broader career so i don't think there's any sort of clear-cut answer to this i think you know some people do a good job of these things and some people don't and it depends on the director as well and the script so there's a lot of variables aren't there so my original question actually had nothing to do with voice acting but i did want to sort of set the stage by suggesting that you know regardless of whether they're coming from hollywood or, or previous voice, voice acting backgrounds i generally feel like the quality of voice acting across video games has has started to improve and become a huge part of the games that I play. And you'll you'll see that when I start talking about one of the games that I really loved this year. But have you, uh, with regards to Sound of Play and, and sort mm -hmm. of the topics that you cover there, have you guys started to see any sort of like similar evolution with regards to music in video games? I think that video games historically are so visual and so reliant upon game mechanics. Mm -hmm. That being said, obviously, if you look back at like historic video games, Mario, you know, the music in Mario is, is iconic. But have you started to see a shift in the level of attention to detail and the sort of quality that development studios are deciding with regards to putting into their the music inside of their video games? I think that uh, back in the older days, uh, video game music was kind of restricted in a way by the technology that was afforded to it. Uh, you know, it had certain requirements. It had to be able to be programmed on so-and-so many channels using so-and-so many different types of, of uh, sounds and noises, and they have to loop after so-and-so many seconds. And so, you know, it kind of funneled a lot of video game music into being uh, not 
not that they all sound the same, but they were kind of aiming for a lot of the same goals, I think. Uh, they they needed something kind of earwormy because that's all you could really do to mm. make music on those uh, kind of limited sound fonts stand out in those days. And, uh, and now that we have um, kind of more... Uh, more flexibility afforded to us as far as um, what types of music and sounds and stuff we're able to put into video games. Uh, it's starting to kind of relax, and that genre of video game music um, is starting to kind of blend a little bit more with uh, with what you would see in cinematic scores and and stuff like that. And so, you know, there are still a few things that set it apart. It has to loop. It has to sound... Um, you know, equally appropriate for any action that the player could be performing on screen at any given time, which is a lot different than uh, music that's written for movies in which they very closely follow the action most of the time. Um, although, you know, video games are starting to develop more clever ways of, um, of varying the, uh, the kind of tenor and timbre of the music to adjust to what's happening on screen mm -hmm. and so uh, you know you'll see things like uh, like hitman i think this year had a really really clever um, use of music and it sounded cinematic it didn't sound like it was uh you know layers of midi on top of each other um, but it was just as successfully able to kind of like ramp up and ramp down based on what was happening on screen or based on how close you are to your target or how close you are to your exit or stuff. And so um, there's a, a lot of the a real kind of change that's going on now. We had a big shift kind of after the N64, um, probably around the kind of PlayStation 2 era from uh, MIDI's and, um, you know, MIDI-like programming of music into just you know drop in mp3s on these games and so that was probably like the biggest shift in video game music but since then and in the last couple years in particular there's been a lot of really intelligent work that's gone into um you know how do we how do we make the music interactive again because it was easier back in the day when we were programming the music that you know ran on the same clock speed as the uh, computer that was running the game in the first place and uh, you know everything was kind of um, everything was separated by layer but uh, it, it got more complicated for a little while and now probably due to having more space on the blu-ray discs and uh, just having uh, you know more uh, more experience working with uh, games in an, as an in, uh, interactive media form. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's been some really cool developments over the past few years to try to make music responsive again. It does take away some of the distinctiveness, I feel like, in terms of there's songs in old video games that because of the structure and like mm -hmm. you were talking about how those things are built, you're like, I like the song from level five or whatever, where now you're like, the music when you're in this level and you're about to get on the plane is like, like <laughs> you have to be very specific about what mm, you mean. Yeah. And there are still lots of composers that are composing in the old school style, like you would see with the uh, usually new Wii U titles. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, Nintendo has always been a little old fashioned with the way they've done things. And, uh, you know, that definitely works to their benefit when it comes to their music. You get the uh, soundtracks from uh, Pokemon this year or Super Mario 3D World, uh, you know, they are just as classic as any of the uh, kind of 
older video games that were composed in that uh that older style so what is your number three game this year all right uh usually the types of games that i gravitate towards are the very like deeply immersive games i like to exist in digital spaces and explore these virtual worlds and everything but uh, for this particular choice sometimes there's just nothing better than a very very simple non-immersive game that is just done with uh with insane levels of precision and polish. And so my number three game this year is Picross 3D Round 2. Oh, man. <laughs> Picross 3D on the list, too. All right, okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, I don't a, know. Mm-hmm. The, the Giant Bomb guys do not stop talking about Picross. <laughs> like, like, I just can't listen to a single episode where there's not a five-minute discussion about Picross. <laughs> yeah. It is one of the highest-rated games, like, critically of, of the year. So it's, mm. it's, it doesn't seem like a wayward pick to me at all. Yeah. Uh, I got into the Picross series with the free Picross that they gave out on uh, my Nintendo uh, based on the uh, Twilight Princess um, aesthetic. Yeah. And uh, those are 2D Picrosses, and so they work a lot different uh, differently. Um, but that kind of got me into the Pokemon Picross, and I just became really kind of addicted to this simple uh, kind of um, Sudoku-ish type puzzle. And yeah. um, it was just a really nice thing to do while I was, you know, watching YouTube videos or watching movies or something. Just, you know, have it on in the background and and um, try to fill in some squares as I go. And so I was curious when this uh, Picross 3D Round 2 was released because it was getting uh, a fair amount of discussion on Twitter, you know, for a Picross game, adjusting mm-hmm. my expectations to... <laughs> what i would expect to see for a picross game it kind of uh, it surpassed what i was expecting to see uh from kind of all the right people and so i was curious about it um i, I thought you know how are they going to translate this uh this this kind of a uh, visual puzzle game from a 2d formula into a 3d formula and of course this is the second picross 3d and so i hadn't played the first one so this was fresh to me and so I downloaded the demo. It took me a while to really understand what I was doing. Uh, even though they have pretty good tutorials, like it didn't really click in my mind until I kind of on good faith because I wasn't like fully getting into the demo, but enough people were saying like, yeah, this is worth your time that I thought like, okay, fine. I, I'll go ahead and buy a $30 a uh, puzzle game, which again, like <laughs> felt kind of weird to me when you can buy uh, yeah. really elegant puzzle games like Bejeweled for, you know, pennies nowadays. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, I trust these people. I like Picross. Let's see what this has to offer. And Did this get a physical release in the US, Ryan? Uh, it didn't in the here. US. It got a physical no. release in the UK or in the, in Europe in general, I believe. Did it? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep, just recently, actually. I haven't seen it in the shops. Um, the pre, Its predecessor on the DS did, mm. um, which I played. Uh, but I haven't got this one yet, but I've only seen it as a download, and I want it bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really wonderful because it took me a while to really get into it, but it, it kind of ramps up the difficulty nicely throughout the game. But I kind of broke that difficulty curve by scanning in my Amiibo, 
and there are, I believe, five or six amiibo-specific puzzles, and they are probably among the hardest in the game, but I went and tackled those kind of right off the bat, and it kind of forced me, just like jumping in the uh, deep end of the pool, Oh yeah. Uh, it forced me to learn to either swim or sink, and so, you know, through playing those really difficult puzzles, I um, developed strategies and kind of figured out how how this game works in a way. And then going back to the easier puzzles, I was flying through it and, and feeling really good about myself. Eventually the difficulty curve caught up and, um, but it never got too difficult. And I always played on the hardest difficulty anyways. And it was just always just a really pleasant amount of difficulty. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was just a really good thing to be able to come home and just play a couple rounds of Picross 3D round two and, uh, it was just like a, the m- most perfect kind of comfort food of a game. And also the uh, the music is a lot better than it needs to be. <laughs> and uh, there's a even one track in particular that I featured on Sound of Play in the past. And it's uh, it's something that like I listen to in isolation all the time because it's just like a really, really good composition. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, just basically everything about this game. It's the simplest idea for a game. Like, it's just a puzzle game. Like, you look at it and you know what you're getting when you get into it. But it's uh, it's polished just, uh, you know, to a, to a perfect sheen. Uh, there's nothing that I would add to or take away from it. And it's uh, and it has a very generous amount of puzzles in there. And so it's one that I, uh, over months of just kind of of uh, working on a puzzle every once in a while was able to 100% on the highest difficulty and got the highest rating on all of the puzzles and I was uh, very happy with my purchase so yeah that is my number three of the year I was going to say in terms of playtime um, the my Nintendo uh, Twilight Princess Picross uh, which was effectively free it cost like a thousand mm-hmm. Mario magic pills or whatever <laughs> you pay for Nintendo <laughs> stuff um, I got 17 hours of play out of that so and yeah, that was that was effectively free. So thirty dollars for for a full blown game would not necessarily. I, I understand people balking at it because, as you say, you can get bejeweled for like tuppence halfpenny, as we say over here. But <laughs> um, but you would get your uh, you you would almost certainly get your your money. And and it, the the um, anyone who's downloaded the Picross uh, e Picross series, I think it is on the eShop. Um, uh, no, I'm not sure it's called that. But anyway, it's it's little chunks of 2D Picross game that they release every so often on, on the eShop 3DS. The level of polish and slickness is is off the charts. You know, it's Nintendo high-end stuff. So it's not like this is just some, you know, 2-bit what I What I love about Picross so much is in Picross 3D is that it seems like if you, if you only play mobile games or if... if Mobile games, so mobile is where you've been getting your puzzle game fix for X mm-hmm. amount of years. It's easy to forget that there are more ideas about puzzle games than the match three format. Mm. Yeah, and, too right. Yeah, yeah, and so like Picross to me is like a very, the pacing is very different from a mobile game, and mm. the the level of sort of. I guess maybe the level of difficulty slash challenge is very different from what you see in like a Candy Crush, which can be, you know, it's made for dopamine hit. So I, I like the pick. Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice in that um, 
it's uh, if you if you've played 2D Picross games in the past, sometimes you can kind of get yourself into if you make one mistake, you might not realize it until, you know, half an hour down the line. And then you basically just have to start over again because it's, uh, you know, not solvable at that point. Mm. Uh, but Picross 3D has a really nice way of it tells you when you make a mistake, but it kind of rates you at the end of the match based on how many mistakes you made. And so you're not ever tempted to say like, well, I'll just guess. And if it works, then great. I'm set for a while. And if not, then like, eh, whatever, doesn't matter. And so it's a, it, it scores you a lot differently than regular Picross, but mm. um, I think it, it works intelligently and it doesn't encourage the same amount of cheating that I do when games tell me if I get something right or wrong too early. <laughs> Mr. Davis, number three for you. How are you? I'm good. good. Thanks for asking. So I think when I think about game of the year for me, a lot of it revolves around not just how much enjoyment I got out of a game, but in general, like the objective effect that the game had on like mm. the gaming community and maybe its ability to sort of like change the landscape for games to come. So we agreed to not talk about the number one most talked about show on Pixels Weekly, or excuse me, game on Pixels Weekly. But we did not agree to not talk about the number two most talked about game on Pixels Weekly. So oh. I'm going to throw a curveball in here, and I'm going to bring up No Man's Sky. Man. Man, oh man, oh man. Okay. So. No Man's Sky. I want to think back to that first night that you and I played No Man's Sky together, Ryan. So when mm. I uh, got home the night that No Man's Sky had released, Ryan was playing hours on end at that point. And I had discussed with him that I just wasn't quite ready to pick it up. I needed to see more of it. I needed to understand what the game was going to be. And Ryan made use of his share play on PlayStation. And I was able to hop in with my own controller and sort of get a feel for the look and the aesthetic and what this game was going to be. And I think as many people who played No Man's Sky uh, experienced those first couple hours after I immediately was like, this is the game for me. I'm picking this up right now. Those first couple hours were sort of mind blowing. No other game had created, in my opinion, this large, uh, massive, universe-like space effect that I had, you know, th th that that we got to experience when, when we first, honestly, I think like the first time you leave the planet that you start on. You hop in that mm. ship and you get that visual effect of like blasting off into outer space and the stars zooming by you. And I guess maybe even that first time that you come up on another planet and you sort of slow down and it sort of comes into your field of view. And that was an awe-inspiring moment, not to mention how much fun we had taking screenshots of all the different creatures we were coming across and the different plants and how odd they looked and the names that we were giving them. Now, all of that fun ended very quickly several hours afterwards, and I really haven't picked up the game much since. However, I think that Hello Games' ability to deal with what is probably one of the harshest critical media landscapes for a game of you know during its release than than maybe any other game in history their ability to like push through that and release this foundation update that we talked about a couple episodes ago that seems to actually be getting like a little bit of like a decent review from the people who are still willing to go back into that game it seems like it's, it's definitely like a good step in the right direction and when you put all of that together and just like what other game was talked about as much if not just you know maybe overwatch obviously but what other game was talked about as much on twitter in the community in the news good press bad press regardless I think that that warrants that game to be at least in a discussion of like biggest impact games of the year, which in my opinion, like puts it up on the list as far as like a quote game of the year. 
So this is the same argument that saw Trump on the Time magazine person of the year cover that some people uh, had a problem with, but I, I kind of understood the intent. And if you look back at history, uh, they've had a lot of uh, 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 controversial figures, and uh, to say the least. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, and yeah, I'm 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 all behind Hello Games turning this around because I think that would be one of the greatest stories in the in the sort of industry in modern times. Absolutely, yeah. Leon. Let me let me ask you this: is in terms of and rents you have so many games to play you were saying it's hard for you to play anything that comes out now do you find that you just are continuously only playing older games uh to a point yeah and that was kind of when i came up with the concept for Kane and Rince five years ago, that was kind of the point in a way. It was about mm. as much as anything um finding an outlet for me to complete my you know, try to clear some of my backlog, which is genuinely enormous. Um, I, I can't really put a, a figure on it, but when other people talk about their backlogs, uh, I, I can guarantee you there's there's doesn't come close to mine. So for me, it's been about, um, yeah, uh, as well as wanting to kind of um, share my enthusiasm and passion for the medium, it's also about finishing games that otherwise I might not get round to. Um, and I, I got very behind in a, in a very long, there was a long period of my life where I was uh, v- very social, shall we say, mm. and did, did a, I, I still, you know, managed to fit in a certain amount of gaming, but I, I spent a lot less time playing sort of, you know, big single player campaigns. So part of doing Kane and Rinse has been catching up, like I've caught up with the Metal Gear Solid series, with the Silent Hill series, and we're, we're doing Zelda now. And I'm very happy to do that. Like I, I have, managed to play as i say like um probably played bits of like 20 or 30 games that were released big games that were released this year and probably played a significant of amount of maybe 10 or 11 of those and i'm okay with that you know that's kind of normal amount of gaming for a normal person um but uh yeah so i've spent hundreds of hours this year playing zelda and we caught up with the doom series as well and stuff like that so Speaking uh, of modern technical improvements, do I remember, or am, not, am I not remembering correctly, you guys doing some save scumming to make it through Zelda 2? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> contra- controversially, um, it was a case of... So, yeah, this is, this is, we had a lot of discussions about this um, because, you know, it's my insistence, my my sort of self-imposed rule on Kane and Rince that we complete games before we talk about them uh, for various... I talked about this when I was on Pixels Weekly before. However... Um, there is some debate as whether doing it in an artificial and unnatural way is actually, uh, an, you know, an inferior way to just, you know, if a game beats you, then a game beats you and you report back on that experience. So we had a lot, yeah. we, you know, we had a lot of conversations about that. We continue to have them, but one of our USPs is getting to the end of games. So at the moment we're still saying, well, if we have to save scum a game or if that's the way we end up playing it, then as long as we talk honestly about our experience and there's no pretense, I think that's fine because that option is if you download Zelda 2 on 3DS or Wii U now, that is an option. That is a way to play it. And I suspect one that most people will utilize at least somewhat to get through some of those NES era games. Now, we had some feedback from some folks who adored that game. None of us really liked Zelda 2 playing it for the first time in in the mid 2010s. But we always, you know, we always try to give context. And also, we're always very at pains to point out that, you know, we, we try and 
and impress upon our listeners the fact that there there is no there is no objective good objective bad it's all subjective it's all about opinions and as we know that every game in every series is divisive people always say ah oh, such and such a game is divisive um and maybe more maybe anecdotally they are more so people are more aware but actually every zelda game we've covered is both somebody's most favorite and somebody's least favorite and that includes the <laughs> first one and the second one and those people their their experiences is real and legitimate and just because none of us got on with zelda 2 it does not mean that it's not the best game in the series for somebody so it's really important that we take that we take that seriously and if we are critical we explain why we didn't enjoy it but that that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else might not have a completely different experience if well, only afraid. the rest of the video game reviewing community <laughs> felt that way. <laughs> well, this is we're trying to we're trying to you know just preach in a, a gentle, friendly manner, um, and trying to we're trying to create the, this culture. There's a second way to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we you know we've got a decent amount of listeners. Obviously, we're not Giant Bomb. We're not IGN. But hopefully, we're 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 you know. We're, we're lighting a candle rather than cursing the darkness and all that sort of thing, <laughs> being the change you want to see, la da la da, da. and um, all the uh, yeah mot- other motivational slogans are available. But um, to 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 my immense gratification, our forum, um, which is as uh, you know, forums have kind of gone the way of the dodo a bit with with the advent of social media. But we've really encouraged people to come to ours. Because it it is like a friendly safe space for intelligent people to talk about their own experiences and opinions of games without getting shot down, without getting flamed or trolled mm. or baited or any of that stuff. There is simply it does not happen on the Cane and Rinse forum, and even if it did, it would be shut down. <laughs> like there is, it's not it's not a happy cult. There are, there are differences of opinion and there is discussion. Fate. Yeah, uh, well, totally, but um, but. The, the yeah it's it's not like some you can't say anything bad place it's just that it's about respect it's about genuine respect and yeah. understanding that other people's life life experience and their preferences of what you know things in games that annoy them things in games that please them everybody is different and i don't understand why it's so hard for people to get that yeah yeah, it's a subjective medium. What resonates with one person might not resonate with another. Sure, and it's fun to share and and talk about it all with 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 everybody to uh, to to try to you know express what what moves you and what doesn't. But he, there's no point in trying to convince people that they didn't have fun when they did, or vice versa. It's a complete waste of time. Agreed. I'm just hoping you don't steal my number two pick too. So what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that does it for our number three games of the year and when we come back we'll be talking about number two but first we've changed a lot over this past year and uh we did not always have the same theme song we've we've done a bunch of songs over the year and uh, i figured i would play some during the break so here is our very first debut pixels weekly theme song see if you remember this one Welcome to Pixels Weekly. We're back with Ryan Heyman and Leon Cox of Kane and Rents of Sound of Play. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And we have just shared our number three games of the year, and now it's time to move on to number two. Let's kick off again with you, Leon. 
What is your number two game of this year? I definitely won't have picked your number two pick. There is absolutely no danger that Pro Evolution Soccer 2017 is on your list. (laughs) What? Oh, my God. P-E-S? Pez. So... Uh, here's the thing. I know uh, I know Yannick's a big FIFA guy. I've been a big um, FIFA player for the last decade. I still have. I have this year's FIFA, um, and I've played it a bit, and I enjoy it. Uh, but prior to that, from the mid '90s to the to 2006, I was a ISS slash Pro Evo guy. Uh, I was a evangelical player of Pro Evolution Soccer to my friends who were playing FIFA back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when, frankly, I thought the game was close to garbage most of the time. FIFA, this is. I converted, uh, like the influencer I am, I said, look, look, guys, this this (laughs) might seem like more fun, but please believe me, it might take a few weeks, but you'll have a better time playing Pro Evo, I promise me. I promise you, trust me. And for the next, yeah, several years, seven, eight, nine years, we had a big social scene where I was working. We were all in our well, in our late 20s, early 30s. We used to drink, we used to smoke, we used to play Pro Evo. It was an awesome time. Uh, then we kind of drifted apart. A lot of people got married, had kids, and Pro Evo kind of um, played less of a part, part uh, as much as anything because um, it kind of slipped away it lost its form it lost its focus and by 2000 pro evo 2008 was like the nadir of the series and then it struggled to get back you know its mojo back until very very recently meanwhile fifa which had been pretty terrible to play up until 2008 um had a massive resurgence and they put loads of effort into making it this brilliant soccer simulation. Mm. I say soccer advisedly. I got picked up for saying soccer (laughs) recently because we call it football. Um, I say it's soccer uh, with my tongue in my cheek and knowing that I have a largely American audience here. Uh, So I played FIFA a lot, hundreds of hours in co-op and online and solo for the next, what, from 2008 to, to 2016. But this year... Um, I've played I've played Pro Evo most years to try to keep up with things I, I like and don't like about it. This year is the first year that I've played more Pro Evo since both games have been out than FIFA for a decade. So there mm. it is. It's my number two pick because right now it's the most it's the most fun game of video game football that I have. That said, I still think FIFA is very good and Pro Evo is still a little too slick in some <laughs> ways in the way it plays. You know, the way football plays out is actually very broken and staccato, as you Americans often, you know, point out. Uh, it seems very, like, uneventful and stop-start. And actually, it is to a point, but you have to un- you have to know what you're looking for. It's like anything. Pez kind of plays a bit more of a uh, super slick, kind of utterly fluid game of football, which is an enormous amount of fun to play. But FIFA is probably still more of a, a realistic simulation of the sport. So they both have their place, but I'm having a blast playing Pro Evo at the moment. So that's why it's my number two pick. Yannick, have you played Pro Evo? It's good to hear. Uh, I've, I've completely lost interest into the Pro Evolution Soccer Series in the past year. Um, not just because, yeah, I'm, I'm a diehard fan of 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 fifa and that it, and like you leon i went through the same phase it's funny that you remembered me the right. years where we all shifted from one oh sure yeah you know from one series to another i was, was a big, big i was 
probably un- until like 2003, P- PES3. I wasn't part of the ISS or the uh, PES um, uh, up until the second one. You're too young, I, that's why, right? I mean, I was playing FIFA 97. I started with oh, FIFA God. 97. Ouch. Wow. That was like probably the worst <laughs> that football game Leon's ever. That was Leon's 40th FIFA. That was nobody's 40th I must have started FIFA. with 97 as well. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I just wow. remember playing I started nothing with but one. Argentina and Brazil. Yeah. It was a real it was, stinker. And I remember even at school, they would make us do those things in our notebooks where, you know, it be between each for each day we had to separate it with some kind of a drawing slash fresque and i would do the logos the team logos that were look like country flags not really team logos like for fiorentina it was a purple white purple stripes like three stripes Mm -hmm. vertically and i would do those stripes as a kid on my notebooks and uh and my 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 teacher would be like what the what the heck is that it's like well it's fifa 97 you don't you don't know (laughs) um and 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 shifted to PS3, PES3 up until, like you said, 2007. D- did a lot of tournaments. I remember playing this game before the f- World Cup final of 2006 when France was facing Italy. And right before that, we had like a mini tournament slash barbecue with my brother's friend and, uh, and, uh, and a couple of people that I never played against. And I pretty much kicked their butt and I was 15 and they were all pissed about it. And um, move towards, and especially the online world that we live in right now, move to FIFA and really enjoy that new way of, of, of gaming that I've dived into, even with other genre, meaning like uh, playing people that I don't know and, um, and stopping that, that couch uh, facing, uh, that couch ad- adversary. Um, mm. And then, and since FIFA 9, FIFA 10, and I kept on looking at what P Pro Evolution Soccer was doing. And uh, to be honest, I've actually completely lost track of what they were doing. Now, that being said, I've heard to, since like it's been two years that they're really um, caught up, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but as much as I've heard, it's really both um, both franchises are trying to coexist and what you said made sense. And I think I should probably pick it up when it's going to go down to $30 um, because I think it will have more of an arcade feeling to um like you said a, a a sport that fifa has pretty much mastered um and in fifa it feels like it's stagnating because it's reaching a point where it's really really realistic and 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 has like you said that that slow paced uh broken feel and it has mastered it and pro evolution soccer might give us that more of that fun arcade feeling yeah. um which is what they've always strived for so yeah you know guys Americans are so uncomfortable watching these stops and starts of soccer because when that happens in football, there's giant images on the screen saying, buy this, eat this, buy this, eat this. <laughs> we have yeah, those around the edge of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys make it way more obnoxious. That's it. That's right. That's what we like. Um, all right. So you didn't steal my number two. I have to talk about this game. I would be darned if I didn't. Doom. Oh, my God. I, did anybody else have Doom on their list? Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Doom, it, for me, was so surprising that they pulled off Doom in a way that I could play it, and it was appropriately silly, but didn't necessarily feel like it was a waste of my time. Like It, it was certainly recapturing that spirit, 
but it it modernized it in so many smart ways. It's a game that I am keeping on my console, and it's one of the few games in a long time where I've really had the itch to like, I think I need to beat the game again just to because it has such a unique feel that no other game really has now. And it went from being like the standard bearer in the old school PC first person shooters to now being kind of the underdog, which I love. And yeah, I just thought it was really good. And that soundtrack is crazy and weird and demons, you guys. <laughs> Doom. We had to mention it. Really good. I still need to finish it. I have, I have it there. Yeah. I need to finish it. Did you, Leon, did you play it on like a harder difficulty? No, uh, I I got it for my birthday, which was six months ago, but uh, it was the one that I wanted to start playing again as soon as we had a gap in the podcast. Uh, and so I've played it most of the way through. I'm right, like literally one or two levels from the end. Um, I hear the last boss is a bit of a test, but uh, I should be yeah. okay with all the runes I've picked up. Uh, yeah, and as I say, in the run-up to the release of this uh, Doom, this 2016 Doom, we we went back to the earlier games, and and I still enjoy you know the the original Doom one and two, but it it was the first time this year that I'd ever properly played more than the first couple of levels of Doom three, and it's now my brain is hugely confused because it really like that felt like a complete reboot restart of Doom, but yeah. in 2003 four whenever it was, and this feels almost like they're doing it again, but what's odd is it both it feels simultaneously way more modern and also a bit of a of a kind of retro step backwards in some ways as well like there's no iron sights there's no reloading right it's like a pure arcade but yeah yeah it's a pure arcade shooter albeit in 3d um and it's the thing that makes it, I think, I don't know, there's various sort of systems in it that make it so very, very playable. I mean, it's part, it's partly the, the sort of the arena design and the balance of the monsters and the weapons and things like that. But it's also the risk reward of the way that you can kill stuff to make it drop ammo or drop health. Um, the build of your character becomes sort of more and more important. Um, but as much as anything, it's just the absolutely uh Almost Titanfall-esque, although you're not as manoeuvrable, obviously, because you're 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 not wearing a jumpsuit. You're just mm-hmm. a, a, a rock hard dude. But that sort of very smooth, glassy, uh, responsive feeling movement is just incredibly compelling, um, and the weapons feel satisfying and and all that good stuff. But um, a lot of the stuff is is stuff. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff that I really love about it is stuff that's very difficult to articulate without just sounding like any other game. So it's just like yeah. you, you just got to try it. Um, to find out how much fun it is. I think uh, I use this kind of analogy, and I talked about this, I think, a couple weeks ago on the show, of, like, a parent wanting, like, their child's first album to be, like, a good album to so that they have some semblance mm. of, like, a taste in music. And I think if my younger brother, you know, I think if he played this Doom, it would be his first Doom, and I'm okay with that. Just like if he only like he played right. the most recent Wolfenstein and that was his first Wolfenstein. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, it reminds me of, of uh, Return to Castle Wolfenstein in, in, in that regard as well, in that it feels both very modern and also like a, a pleasant throwback um, to to simpler uh, times and, and where the, the focus is more on getting the balance and the mechanics right rather than the, the sort of the realism and the immersion. It's more about fun than it is about any kind of attempt to simulate a real world uh, because that we can kind of take that element of it for granted a bit now because we're at that level of technology. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Good fun. Sandy, what do you have for us? 1979 Revolution, Black Friday. What is this? What is this? <laughs> I don't know what this is. <laughs> this game was actually nominated for um, Games for Change at the Game Awards, and it lost to that dragon cancer. Uh, 1979 Revolution follows a photojournalist named Reza, and... It's a stealth game, but like every decision you make impacts the lives of the people that you're in. And it takes place during the Iranian Revolution. And it's a pretty heavy game, but it's, it's very pretty. Uh, it, the guy on it, Naveed, uh, worked on Grand Theft Auto. So he's part oh, of wow. that team. And he went off and he created this. So it's a, it's a very different game. Yeah, I I remember last time we had Leon on, we kind of talked about what if the makers of Rockstar, the people behind the Grand Theft Autos, turned their eyes towards something, a less Grand Theft Auto, and so are you, this game? What what do you sort of do in it? You're you're f- taking photographs. Yeah, you're taking pictures. You're documenting the events of the Iranian revolution. But at the same time, you have to make sure that the decisions you make don't impact someone negatively. And so everything that you do has consequences in one way or the other and kind of how in real life there are consequences one way or the other. And we all know what happened during the Iranian revolution. So this is just a story from a different perspective. So there's one narrative of everyone thinks this is a great thing. Uh, this is something that the the Iranians, the Persians really wanted. And now this is something coming from a different aspect where it wasn't as glorious as it's being portrayed or it wasn't what everybody wanted. So it's just a different story of historical events. I really hope that we get more games, especially going forward, that are about historical events and historical places because I don't know about you guys but when I was a kid uh, I certainly could glean emotions and tone from say a movie more than I could a textbook when it came to history and I imagine that video games could capture that even more effectively yep that's true I'm I looked it up I, I I never heard about this game and I don't know how we missed it it got really good reviews and came out on April uh, 5. You finished it, right? Um, did you, like, how long How long was it to get into Because I've been looking into getting into a game like this that takes a more serious approach about a story and try to reflect some real events and stuff like that. It's, I didn't finish the game because it's, it's a little heavy. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a little heavy for me as well because my fiancé's uh, of Iranian descent. Right. And his parents lived through the, uh, the Iran... Iranian Revolution, and then they came to the United States because of that. So it's kind of, um, it's interesting. It's not a long game. So it's definitely something that you can finish quickly. It's very similar to that dragon cancer where you're, you're feeling emotions that real life people want you to feel of, of events that happened, even mm-hmm. though you have no experience with it. Luckily enough, you know, you're fortunate enough that you at this moment won't have to go through something like that. But it's a it's a heavy game. It's very pretty. 
And if you want to feel gut punched and grateful for all the stuff you're getting in these holidays, this is this is a, a good game for that. I hope you digest all the food. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Sandy. Yeah. And and Yannick, by the way, if you would like to contrast the game, you can play a little bit of it, then a little bit of Doom, get gut punched, then punch some guts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be very fun for you. <laughs> um all right. Dude, you're next. What's uh, what's your number two? My number two is a number three of um, of yourself. Um, I, I have to pick inside uh, just because I've um, for for various reasons, but once again, it has been uh, really disrupting my year, and I've I've gotten more and more into indie games, and that's one of the motivations that I had in my head when I wanted to build my own PC. Inside was first coming out on PC. And came out on PS4, lucky enough uh, for me. Loved that game, finished it, really enjoyed it. And I, I'm going to look forward for more indie games of that, of that kind uh, in the future. So we talked a lot about this game, so I don't want to extend too much on that. Cool. Well, it's interesting because you also uh, you played a lot of Witness, and I know that you were really into that game when it first came out. And sort of like yep. in a similar vein, indie game from a developer that is well known for a previous indie game. Um, so you seem to have thoroughly enjoyed that genre and those kind of like, you know, more abstract puzzle mystery sort Mm. of games in that genre specifically. Um, yeah, I know that I thoroughly enjoyed those as well. So, you know, I've talked multiple times about needing to play inside, just sit down and do it. But, um, this is new for me. Yeah, this is new. And it's, it's, it's thanks to that podcast as well. We've, we've discovered so many great games and, um, I probably know more about 2016 than the the 10 years before then, <laughs> just because we talked about so many games and so many new stuff. And and inside kind of like materialized that um, that new awareness that I've gotten this year. Well, what, what's exciting too is you're talking about a genre of game that doesn't necessarily rest upon the most modern graphics and power and right. uh, exactly. So you don't even necessarily need to start waiting for new games in that genre to come out. Like, have you played Braid yet? Yeah, no, it's 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 true. I also have a um um I also have a list <laughs> that I have to go through. I mean Firewatch <laughs> is one of them, but yeah. um yeah, all those games I still need to to yeah, catch up with. I think you'll really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Mr. Heyman, you're up. Yes, my number two is one that I'm uh, kind of surprised I haven't heard yet, actually. Uh, this is Hitman. Oh, that's a very yes, it's on my list. <laughs> yeah, this is uh such a perfect distillation of what that series kind of needed especially after absolution which is a little bit of a downer entry uh as far as kind of public opinion seems to seems mm. to go um but i i've never been good at stealth games and there's always just something really kind of aggravating about having to kind of guess what an enemy can see and can't see and trying to position yourself in such a way that your your body geometry is hidden by the level geometry. And yeah. um, especially if it's in the third person, it gets to be really difficult to tell like how you are positioned in a way that an enemy is obstructed or their view of you is obstructed. I always and felt so, like Dishonored cheated with like eyeball... <laughs> You know, just like, oh, you're hidden or you're not mm. hidden. That's sort yeah, of binary. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, sort of the, Beth- Oblivion. the Bethesda approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I've always been really interested in social stealth. 
which is less about kind of positioning yourself behind obstacles and more about like if you look like you belong and as long as you act like you belong, then nobody's going to really say anything. And so it became, it, it becomes more of a, um, more of a kind of thought puzzle than a visual puzzle in a way. Um, and so well, yeah, it's more about you making decisions mm-hmm. that someone who was trying to blend in would make as opposed to yeah. you being able to like move the sticks in the proper placement. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's just really cool to see one of my very, very favorite things from all video games and, you know, to draw a parallel that I don't think anyone on any podcast has made before. Uh, Katamari Damacy also does this really, really well. What? <laughs> Okay. And it's just being able to tell stories in the environment that just kind of happen that you can just kind of like run up upon and just like watch kind of transpire. And I love that kind of thing where you can just kind of follow a person around and just, uh, you know, a random employee at a gelato shop and he'll walk downstairs and step outside and take a smoke break and go upstairs and use the bathroom or whatever and these people just kind of go about their own lives. And sometimes these stories interact with one another. And sometimes there's things going on that are advantageous to um, to the assassinations that you're trying to make. Um, but I just love this idea that there's this world that doesn't only exist in a procedural kind of way, like you would see in mm. Grand Theft Auto V, which yeah. is... I mean, super impressive, and I am a 100% uh, proponent of that type of world as well. But a world, a kind of open world-ish type scenario that just, it's scripted, but it's like there are many, 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 many different stories going on all at once. And so it's um, it's really cool to hop back into these levels with this kind of like Groundhog Day-like knowledge of where everyone is going to be at every specific time and when it's safe to enter a room because you know that the guards won't be back there for another, you know, 35 to 40 seconds. And um, there's something about, you know, just having that level of mastery and knowledge over an area that makes you feel like a like a god in a way that, you know, other video games kind of give you a lot of power and a lot of firepower a lot of the time but hitman mm-hmm. just gives you a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience and i'm uh, i'm definitely into that how did you feel about the serialized nature of it right that's the first time that they've done it with the series where they yeah. release like the different levels at different at different periods of time yeah uh beforehand uh this game had gone through a little bit of development hell beforehand uh kind of a troubled production they were shooting for i think they uh, delayed the release a couple times and the communication that they gave to the players was um, was pretty kind of messy all throughout and kind of leading up to it I think that a lot of people were just kind of like you know grabbing their popcorn and saying like let's watch this one crash and burn because it looks to be a disaster and then when they announced you're that, talking about the last guardian right <laughs> <laughs> well when they announced that this is going to be a serialized game and this is something that uh, square enix has taken to uh quite a bit recently um i guess most notably with their final fantasy 7 remake uh, people were saying like okay yep nail in the coffin this isn't going to be a complete game this is going to be something that they just kind of slowly and wetly fart out over a number of months at a time and hope that people yeah. just kind of forget about suggested uh, low so, confidence didn't it yeah yeah but 
since then, and I think as soon as the first episode hit, people knew like, oh, actually, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with a serialized game. And like some of my favorite games are serialized, like uh, like Walking Dead and all of those uh, wonderful Telltale adventures. But um, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And these this team seems to have understood everything that went wrong with Absolution, and they seem to be performing at the absolute kind of top of their game and so you know in this case quality trumps everything else and i actually came to really really like the serialized nature because it um because i was playing along with it as it went and it kind of forced me to spend a bunch of time replaying all the levels instead of just like blitzing through the game and so since I only had Paris for, you know, a month and a half or whatever, like it forced me to go into that level and really like know it backwards and forwards uh, for that entire time. And of the episodes that were released, there was only one that I didn't really like, and that was the Colorado level. But otherwise, I think that they were all home runs. And um, I'm really happy that I got to spend the majority of my year having new hitman content delivered to me yeah hitman was i wanted to spend more time playing it It, it's the most talking at the screen i think i've ever done at at a video (laughs) game in terms of i will put on a bellboy costume and then kind of wander into an area and be like this is fine no nobody pay attention to me here everything is fine um but i love that the game at, at the same time is still super silly and it's conceit mm-hmm. of like, I mean, you go to a fashion show and the main model who's supposed to be there happens to be a bald man <laughs> that looks a lot like the <laughs> hitman. Uh, yeah, great, great game and, and super ha- happy to see. Uh, I think I got a season two. So, yeah, yeah, I'll More definitely be that. picking that one up as well. Yeah, me too. Nice. Cool. Uh, all right. This is this is the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> We've my number two game davis's number two game, davis's number two game. <laughs> <laughs> say it again after that yeah this again. one's easy for me um firewatch god i just loved the experience that i had with that game um i look for a beautiful narrative in a game and i look to have an emotional connection to people and places in the game um that i that i play and and firewatch met all of those criteria for me i did it in one sitting it was about a four hour experience for me and i think just some like some newer um story-based mechanics that they used like the the question and answers that they have you uh go through before the game actually really starts like before you actually start moving around and you get to the 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 wilderness um and that really set the tone for like what this game was going to be about. There's some like really tough emotional questions that are very relatable and, and very hard to answer. Um, mm. And that sort of set the tone for a game that, that seemed to be like it was going to be along those lines. There was like a weird spookiness to the game that I really connected with. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't love horror games or any games in that genre by any means, but there was a little bit of this like sort of weird supernatural spookiness that that sort of got you on edge throughout the, the playing of that game. And and then most importantly, the story, the writing, and the voice acting was just phenomenal. Um, and I just found myself every single step of the way wanting to continue to progress the dialogue and continue to hear the different uh, options that I had as far as continuing to speak um, with uh, Delilah uh, and, and hear Henry and, and what he had to say. 
and 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 the visuals of that game, the aesthetic, the artwork is so gorgeous, such to the point that I think I've mentioned this before on on the podcast. But I, I have coworkers and colleagues who don't play video games. They you know would never even dream of picking up and playing a video game at this point in their lives, but still continue to have um, Firewatch artwork as desktop backgrounds and, and, and iPhone backgrounds and, and wallpapers. And just because they are so enamored by uh, the aesthetic the aesthetic that, uh, that Campo Santo was able to put into that game. Um, I am so excited to see what they uh, produce in the future. And that game has also, as you mentioned, Yannick, sort of what Inside has done for you as far as highlighting a genre of games that you didn't previously have have interest in. Um, I picked up a game called Virginia that I've also talked a little bit about on the on the podcast as a result of my playing of Firewatch. Uh, it was a game that sort of promoted itself in a similar vein with a great narrative. Um, there was no voice acting, but it was a similar uh, sort of like art direction um, and, and a single sit-down experience that you could have with it. Um, so, yeah, Firewatch, absolutely number two for me. I want to play that too. God damn. I we have it. like 15 games today. And, you know, yes, I know. It's going to be a lot for our listeners. <laughs> If um, yes, it's true. Um, it's probably right. not the year when you wanted to not play video games, definitely. Or like, no, I know. We talked about and... last week. Yeah, I do feel like it's amazing to me that we have so little overlap about what our favorite things were this mm -hmm. year. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. All right, we're uh, about to send you off into your Christmas break, listeners. But when we come back, we're going to be sharing not only our games of the year, but the honorable mentions on our list along the way. Before we get into that, we're mashing up two tracks back to back. Number one is for us, <laughs> the sound cue we would use to celebrate every single time we would mention resolution on the stupid show <laughs> that we do. And uh, a little celebration song, just to remind us that every once in a while, the only sane person on the podcast is, well, you know. We'll be right back. Don't know about 1080p. Crystal clear. 60 frames a second. I'm losing my mind. All right, your regular Pixels Weekly crew is back along with Ryan and Leon from Canon Rinse and Sound to Play. Leon, kick us off. Game of the year. Games of the year? Game. Well, sorry for the multiple anticlimax, but we already covered mine with doom really so i, oh, I kind of piggybacked on the back, go. back of yours <laughs> but that's okay um because yeah I, i mean you know it might change tomorrow anyway and as i say i haven't done the final boss yet so i might have a different take on that when i'm when i've died 15 times on uh, spider mastermind and mm -hmm. i'm uh, swearing um so i'll just quickly rattle through some other honorable mentions if i may um so i played a lot of uh it's not a new game but the afterbirth add-on for the binding of isaac Uh, saw me play that game almost every day any, any every day that I can sit at a console for at least 20 minutes and do a, day, a single run or something like that so uh, it added a whole load of extra content and goodies to an already um, marvelous and uh, fairly sort of um, yeah remarkably unusual game I think in a lot of ways The Binding of Isaac roguelike twin stick shooter with gnarly aesthetic and um 
yeah, dark and weird, but yet also funny and beautifully balanced. Yeah. Sometimes maddening, sometimes uh, beautiful genius. Um, and yeah, just pleasantly twisted. Um, and I think there's more to come as well. So, Binding of Isaac uh, is the same developer as Super Meat Boy, right? Yeah, it's an Ed McMillan game. Yes. Um, it obviously it plays nothing like uh, Super Meat Boy. Um, yeah. It's top down and uh, and much slower paced by and large. Um, and it, yeah, it's more roguelike. But uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating game. Uh, it's been around for a long time in various forms. But yeah, that was cool. Um, I've had just the one session of Overcooked after hearing about it on lots of podcasts. Uh, got to play it in co op with a friend and. Indeed, a good time was had. Lots of swearing, lots of shouting, lots of laughter. <laughs> yeah. Overcooked. Um, just downloaded the free seasonal festive DLC, which I think is a wonderful touch. Uh, can't wait to get to, to tuck into that. Um, Street Fighter V also makes my honourable mentions. Haven't played it nearly as much as I'd like to. Um, yes, it basically released. It's all intents and purposes unfinished, um, but it's you know, as as a lot of games do these days, it may have started out bare bones and, and lacking polish, but over time, uh, it's becoming more and more of a kind of essential purchase and sort of, you know, genre leader. And as Sandy said, the core game that's inside there is so, you know, so slick and so sweet to play that yeah. it once you're actually playing it, it's quite easy to kind of forget the, you know, the, the problems that it might have as a package. Um, Thumper. Thumper, uh, I played a fair chunk of the first three levels um, because I just kept replaying the first three levels until I got better and better at them because it's a high score chasing game as well as being um, a very dark and intense experience. No VR for me whatsoever, um, just playing it as, uh, you know, it's like a kind of modern dark take on frequency and amplitude and I really like it. Um, and yeah, finally, uh, the games I've actually spent any time with Oh, I guess there's Forza Horizon 3 as well, but you, you guys have all talked about that a lot and played it more than me. But um, quick mention for Titanfall 2. Um, I agree with all the reviews. Uh, it's uh, I hope it continues to pick up a second wind in sales and stuff. It's already being sold very cheap over here and on digitally, I know, um, worth getting on any of the three formats. The single player is a real, real good time. Um, don't rate it quite as highly as Doom overall, but it's got some really cool stuff in it. Derivative of other good games like Half-Life and Portal and um, Singularity. But And then there's the multiplayer, which I haven't played nearly enough of yet, but I, I adored Titanfall 1 and all my Titanfall mates are telling me it very much picks up where that left off. So, yeah, that's awesome. mention. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I guess my game of the year this year, it, I sort of thought about this a lot and i think i gotta give it to uncharted 4 um uh, uncharted 4 a thief's end to me i always appreciate when uh, uh something these days manages to end <laughs> and mm. you know some people i mean if you haven't played it some people question whether or not the end of the game is actually an end i felt like it was a pretty definitive ending and uh, like the last Batman movie that Chris Nolan made, it's just, first of all, refreshing to have a moment of like, it doesn't end in, and what's going to happen next time sort of vibe. That and I do think Uncharted 4 is just the most fully realized Uncharted game. I don't think it's the peak storytelling for Naughty Dog, but I think it is um, 
peak Uncharted storytelling. And I think it's also uh, just peak visuals and gameplay of that particular series. Um, in terms of they added new mechanics that felt like they could have been there the whole time. They The difficulty spikes were less abrasive than they've ever been before. And uh, like every Uncharted game, I do feel like it goes maybe a couple chapters too long. <laughs> um but Uncharted 4, and I still say, you know, people spend thousands of dollars on PCs, but you'd be hard-pressed still to find a game that looks better than Uncharted mm, 4. Yeah. So, um, honorable mentions for me, uh, Gears 4, I thought it was quite good for a Gears game. Um, it just did not stand out enough, I guess, amongst some of the other games. Uh, the Witness was quite good. Thumper is also on my list, Leon, along with Titanfall 2. Two really, really great games. And since I think I'm the only person on the podcast playing Xbox, uh, Quantum Break. Uh, I thought Remedy did something very weird. And while it's a very imperfect thing, I'm so glad that they tried doing a TV video game mashup. Um, it's very Remedy. Um, and I know, Ryan, every time you go to play your Xbox, you just have to system update it. So. <laughs> uh, the thing drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, my favorite thing is the heralding nights just hearing Ryan. <laughs> when is he going to have another system update? I think in 2016, I'm like 100% uses to updates ratio. You gotta, Do you turn it all the way off or do you put it into like sleep mode? Well, you know, I've tried using the, whatever they call like the power saver mode where it's kind of on and always checking for updates and stuff. And like that does help, but it's like, it's always on and I can always hear it kind of just like oh, emitting God. this like high pitched electrical noise in the background. Oh, so and it know. just kind of drives me crazy because it's in my main room and, and it always makes me think like how much energy is it using? Is this ending, ending up costing me a bunch of money? And so I, I set it back to, you know, regular turn off mode. So part of it is my fault, but, uh, man, at least PlayStation can download updates in the background and stuff. Like I'm just not thrilled with the whole Xbox one experience. You know, what's funny is that I actually was hit with that more this year with PlayStation because mm. in the last generation, PlayStation had so many updates that bricked consoles I said, no, you have to ask me permission to install updates, mm. PlayStation. And so every time I turn on my PlayStation, it's like, you need an update. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. Um, but that's fine here. We can but always I, count on the trusty Wii U, though. Yes, that's right. Very rarely. In fact, you have to ask it. You have to go into menus and be like, hey, do you need anything? <laughs> you gonna? <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. I actually turned mine on, dusted it off after, God, it seems like six months. And I, I was like, do you need anything? It's like, no, I'm good. I was like, all right. <laughs> um, Overcooked, also quite good. And uh, was that it? Yes. Oh, tentatively, tentatively for mobile, Super Mario Run is pretty good so far. Well, so <laughs> far, so good. So far, so good. Okay. You guys at Waypoint also tweeted just a few minutes before we started that show and saying they love it too. Yeah, Yannick, I know you have a... a uh, hard stop so do you want to do yours next and go or do you want to keep going with sandy yeah you? my my hard stop can be a little bit more flexible it's actually my hard stop is two turkeys baking in the oven right now and oh. they're doing pretty fine over there so i'm gonna <laughs> okay, let good. them i'm gonna let them hang out for a little bit you know it's only um, the 17th right yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you know my my, my my friends are not traveling with me to france so i had to accommodate and do it a little bit earlier what a gentleman. Okay, I carry know. on. 
Uh, oh, you thought it would be baking for seven days. That would well, be, it might quite be a, a bit roast. dry. Low and slow. Low and slow. He's got it at yeah, about 75 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy, what do you have for us? Uh, my number one game would be Dishonored 2. I really like the first one. It reminds me a lot of Bioshock in terms of like the mechanics and kind of how it plays. And Bioshock is my all-time favorite game. And I actually, I stayed up until like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning playing the games both Dishonored and Dishonored 2, knowing I had to go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Not uh, the best thing to do, but that's how much I enjoyed it. That's how you know one's, um, got, one's got you. <laughs> yeah, I was I was so, like, I was really productive the next day because I had to compensate for my lack of sleep. That's great. Um, honorable well, mentions. Honorable mentions. Uh, hmm. I like... I want to play all the games. I just don't have enough time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pokemon Go. I think we don't. We didn't give it enough credit. I still play it. I played it at Disney World. I caught a bunch of Pokemon. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and that also kind of led to me wanting to play Pokemon Sun and Moon. So that game had a huge impact in 2016. Titanfall Two. Uh, I'm not gonna talk about it. You but picked my it. number one is Overwatch. Yeah, you picked it up. I you know. picked up Titanfall too. I have it. I have it here. That I've, it's. Oh, okay. I gotta. I gotta are play it. You, are I you PlayStation, it. PC. What did? What'd you get it on? PC. PC. Mm. Okay. God. That's the toughest thing is coordinating what we're all gonna buy a game on <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um, but we all have PCs now, guys. We all play. Yeah, now we can all do it. <laughs> that doesn't mean I want to. They don't play it on, on the Nintendo. But controllers are so good. Anyway, Yannick. Um, I'll start with my honorable mentions, I guess. Um, FIFA 17, just because you can play Brighton FC and not yes. Pro Evolution Soccer. <laughs> <laughs> You've been um, following us. I have been I have been following I've, I I caught up actually today because I knew we would be talking about it today. I caught up on what they were doing, so yes. it's been pretty great. It's amazing. Good man. I know. And I um honorable mentions I I I I'm surprised also we haven't mentioned it but uh, uh Battlefield 1 was quite the quite the experience. I I was defensive on on picking it up just because I've never really um, I've never really got into any of the battlefields ever, um, especially because I was always expecting that incredible experience on on uh, on multiplayer, and um, it was just too much uh, every time I played it. And this one kind of like packs it really well. The maps are really well designed. Um, it's a clusterfuck, but it's 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 another fun. And I found people to play it with, and uh, and like Titanfall, the the campaign has some really. Um, it's condensed. It's probably one of the shortest that the AAA games have to offer, but it's it's a big change from the previous Battlefield that had none, or particularly you know none, um, no single player campaign. And, uh, and this is quite a good approach, um, taking on that narrative um, narrative orientation, and and, and really fe- really felt different to me um, when playing a war games, and uh, as well very pretty. Played it on PS4, and I'm sure it's also worth just. Um, getting that on pc if you have the the proper gpu um my 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 game of the year would be um would be destiny um not just because i played it a lot 
but because I uh, I kind of want to give that um, little thumbs up to the developers over there um, and, and, and hope for the future, hope for a better future um, that we um, that we hopefully gonna get very soon next year with a with a sequel that is heavily rumored. Um, I heavily think that uh, they they took on a really great approach, listening to the community and bringing up one of those most requested features that brought the game to another level, which is um, custom games. Well, not custom games, I should say. Private matches, which is a slightly different thing. Uh, private matches, and and I've honestly had the best fun uh, with the raid that came out with this expansion. Um, and I have to mention the price that was only thirty dollar um, for that for that uh, for that price. Um, it it extended it fixed um, a lot of the um, how do you say that a lot of the life quality improvements. It had a lot of life quality improvements inside the game, uh, fixed a lot of stuff, um, helped um, rewarding the people that play a lot, but also not excluding the people uh, joining uh, this expansion or this game for the first time. Um, I found myself really meeting a lot of great people again with this uh, with this new expansion, and it's the first time that I've actually you know did the full experience of running a raid a raid blind on the release day. Um, took some 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 days off for that, and and had a blast doing it. So really, uh, um, once again, probably like the year before, is the game that created for me the you know most memorable moments uh, of this year when I I, I played a, I played a game. Um, had to mention it, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Hope for the future. All right. It was. Uh, I yeah. don't know if that should count. Really, it didn't come out this year. No, I'm just kidding. You're fine. No, the, the Rise of Iron, the, the, the one in I'll September. I was mentioning the the, the, the expansion. It was it was it was not a DLC. It was actually a, you know, sold. It was actually a copy, like a uh, an That's actual true. new title. It was not a DLC, so it counts, dude. Okay, so your official game of the year is Destiny: Rise of Iron. Yes. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Ryan Hammond. All right, uh, to quickly kind of rattle through some of my honorable mentions in lead up to the one that I put at the number one for this year. Uh, first one, I got a kind of cheat. This is December 2015, but it's, uh, I think, late enough that um, it wouldn't have made any of the list last year. So I wanted to give a shout to Dr. Langeskov, the Tiger and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, which is a really fun kind of deconstruction of um, a simple video game adventures. It's free. It takes like 20 minutes to play. Definitely worth your time. Uh, it's quite funny as well. Uh, let's see, Pokemon Sun and Moon. I gotta say, I've been uh, falling in love with these games a lot more than I thought that I would at this age, and it's uh, it's really kind of put me back in my uh, childhood love of Pokemon. Uh, Pony Island, uh, Lego Dimensions Year Two has had a surprisingly good uh, uh, realm of content. It's expensive again, but um, if that's not a deterrent, then there's a lot to love in Lego Dimensions Second Year. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, I really liked Thumper and Uncharted 4. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero Act 4 continues to be brilliant, even though it's coming out very, very slowly. Uh, Inside and um, Dark Souls 3, which we haven't mentioned yet. Wow, that's a, yeah. Yes, sir. That's an incredible game. It's not quite Bloodborne, but it's still, it's it's more divisive than any Dark Souls. Well, that's not true, actually. <laughs> it's very <laughs> divisive, even by Dark Souls sequel standards. <laughs> Another divisive um, game. 
Yeah, but I, I've absolutely loved that one. And it had my favorite moment of the year, that's for sure. And anyone who's played the game will know what moment that is. It's really incredible. Mm. Um, but my number one game of this year, and I guarantee it's not on anybody else's list, and I don't just say that because I'm second to last, but um, this is a indie platformer that came out on the Xbox One this year called Fru. That is F-R-U. And it utilizes the Kinect, which is uh, not a popular choice in 2016. Not but anymore, yeah. yeah, of the, as as you mentioned before, I'm not like a huge fan of the Xbox One, but the my two favorite games on the Xbox One both are Kinect dependent, and so you know this is one of them, and it's magical in a way that I haven't really felt about a game in a very very long time. Uh, and that's not to uh, to talk down to games or anything like I'm a huge games fan, but like this one really was something special. Uh, you control with the controller, this little fellow on screen, and it's just this kind of uh, side-on 2D platformer. Uh, it looks a lot like Braid in a way, um, uh, but it's a very simple control scheme. You can use either thumbstick to control it, and you can use either of the triggers to uh, make the little fellow jump. Uh, and that's really all that you need to do, except there, um, every stage exists in two dimensions, so to speak. There's the dimension of the present and the dimension of the past, and they're both overlaid on top of each other. And you can kind of, um, you can invoke the other one. I think it's always the past that you'd be going back to uh, through your silhouette um, that you create with your own body using the connect. And so in, uh, in a lot of these stages, there are um, objects that are differently placed in the present and the past. And so, you know, where there is nothing now, there may have been a wall back then. And so you position your body in such a way that you can create a little ramp that your fellow can jump up because, you know, your, um, your body is now a solid platform, so to speak. Mm. And there's so many just really, really clever puzzles. Um, there are some really magical ones where you um, there was a, where an area was flooded in the past. And so all the area that is contained within your body is filled with water that the little person can swim through. And so sometimes you have to kind of, you know, carry the person in a way through obstacles by allowing him to swim within your arm or something. Um, there are times when you have to be very careful to uh, to um, only bring back parts of, um, oh, it's a kind of like uh, yoga your body around obstacles that existed in the past and make safe paths. And there's something that's just really special about uh, being having such a physical presence in this game world that you don't get in many games. There's, um, you know, it really feels, it really gives you a, a really nice connection with this character when he's like literally running up your arm and jumping off your head. And, yeah. you know, um, you can swimming through your toes and it's uh, it's so physical and it's so uh just connecting in this way and it's 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 really clever it's very smartly designed it works 
very, very well. Um, it's super impressive, actually, the way that it's been programmed because they've included, if you 100% the game, they allow you to unlock a um, like an early build of this game. And I think it was made for some 48-hour game jam or something like that. So it's very rough, but it gives you an idea of you know, any lesser studio or any lesser team, because this is an indie game, would um, really struggle with the implementation of the Kinect camera. And um, and you get to see, based on that really, really rough early prototype, how difficult it is to make this game feel right and to make the Kinect camera work in just such a way that... Um, that you know the game becomes playable because it's a it's very much um very much not in that early that early <laughs> version but um yeah the, the the release that came out on the xbox one this year is brilliant and uh, it plays beautifully and i would highly highly recommend it to anyone who still has a connect lying around it will be probably one of the greatest tragedies of that accessory that one of its best titles came out after it had already been brushed aside by even the team that was selling the box. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, great. What a game of the year list. Davis, what do you have for us? Cap us off with something great. I thought I was going to get away with no one having mentioned it, but Leon, you did mention it in your honorable mentions. Um, so, uh, I'll keep the suspense a little bit longer. Uh, we, uh, we had homework this year in October, or excuse me, it wasn't October, it should have been October. Um, mm-hmm. In September, we had homework this year um, on Pixels Weekly, and we chose the horror genre. And I played a game called Soma, and that is not my game of the year. That came out in 2015. But anyways, <laughs> um, Soma was this like outrageously unsettling experience for me. I hate horror games, and I hate psychological games that mess with your head. And, and Soma was all of that combined times 10 on steroids. And I just had a really... like impactful experience with the game like i don't think i'll ever go back and play a game in that genre but anyways i i came away from it just defeated soul crushed not knowing where to turn as far as what the next game i was going to play was and at that same time forza horizon 3 released and 24 hours after ending soma and just not knowing what the meaning of humanity was and not wanting to go to sleep at night i found myself cruising the beautiful streets and forests and outback of Australia. And Playground Games has put together one of the most stunning driving and racing games that I have ever seen, that I have ever played. And I put so many hours into Forza Horizon 3. And I just like talking about it and getting so excited about like what I'm gonna consider like Forza Horizon 3, like part two for me. I think I've probably got about like 50% of the game completed. And as I told Ryan when we were playing it a bunch when it first came out, my goal is to 100% that game before the next Forza game comes out. That's how much I just thoroughly enjoyed it. The game is beautiful. I I think it might be the best looking game I have ever played. the, the, the racing and the driving is thrilling. It's got a little bit of an arcade feel to it, but at the same time, you feel like you're driving these actual cars and all of the cars, there's you know hundreds of cars and they all feel very distinct and unique in the way that they drive and the way that they handle. Um, and it's just this kind of like fun, adrenaline, action-packed racing experience. And I really love the open world nature of it. It was the first sort of like open world quote racing game that I've played before. 
Um, and I just really had a fantastic time with it. And uh, I think that the amount of polish that that game has um, and, and the final product that they've produced there, uh, it seems like Forza Horizon historically has sort of like sat in the shadow of Forza, Forza Motorsport. And it, and it sounds like this might be the first time where maybe those tides have turned a little bit and Forza Horizon is the canonical Forza that people want to play right now. Have um, you picked up the DLC, the Blizzard Mountain? Stuff? I know, no, they've added what, snow. When, when did that release? like two days ago and it's a whole new area like a new festival area yeah it's all snow and mountains and you know oh man (laughs) i know get that warthog back out bro you're gonna hit the slopes it's it's kind of it's not cheap dlc it's it's but i think it's uh that they really forza horizon 2 is i'd say is still worth picking up if if uh if you if you hunger for more afterwards and you haven't played it before and they they released a storm island add-on for that one which was a a big area where it was constantly uh you know monsooning with rain um and this is the sort of equivalent but it's it's snow instead and blizzards oh it's perfect it just like follows the same trend you got the like deluxe crazy version of that game right yeah yeah, i got the ultimate edition so you Uh, must you must have it it's waiting for you yeah i'll have to go check it out oh man because the thing is like that that just like continues with the theme within that game which is that each of those festival sites are so distinctly different from the other ones and and that's the that's the perfect next one to go to that'll be unlike anything else that's already in the game yeah yeah um honorable mentions real quick uh I really enjoyed Virginia. I mentioned it earlier. Um, World of Warcraft Legion brought me back into World of Warcraft with uh, immense success. And I think that that game has revitalized itself and uh, just proven how downright impressive that that game continues to be. Uh, And then there's a game that was released on early access on Steam that I talked a bunch about uh, in in a few episodes a a long time ago called RimWorld. And it's sort of like a top-down sci-fi colony uh, simulation game. Uh, and it sort of like rests upon a artificial intelligence, uh, like procedural generated story that sort of like uh, progresses the colony that you start to build and add to and manage. Um, and so it's still early access. So I, I you know, given that, uh, you know, I did put a lot of time into it and I thoroughly enjoyed it and, and really excited to continue to put more time into it, given that it's still not quite a finalized game. I, I didn't feel like it warranted uh, making my list, um, but definitely one that I considered. Um, and then obviously the, the, the game that we're, we're not going to name on this show is just a, a, a feat in, feat in and of itself. Um, it's but like yeah, Voldemort for, the game. bleep it. Right. If he says it, bleep it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Forza, Forza Horizon 3. God, I, uh, I'm really excited to, to play that DLC. Good picks. All right, listeners, there you have it. A list of game of the years that is not Overwatch. <laughs> so I hope that was, uh, I hope that was immensely satisfying for you. Uh, Leon, Ryan, where can we find and listen to you guys? So we uh, have a podcast and a blog and a forum and all kinds of uh, other bits and bobs over at com. You can also find our other podcast that Ryan and I share the hosting duties of, Sound of Play. And that comes out every Wednesday. And as I said earlier, we're currently having a little uh, rest from the main podcast, but we will be back in mid-January. And if yes. I may add something, go listen to the Kin and Rinse review of Bloodborne. It's uh, <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. 
Thank yes, you, Ocean250. Yep. We've got some other interviews and stuff coming out while we're away as well. So. And each mm. of those are uh, generally around two hours long. They're very deep dives on usually one game in particular, uh, kind of approaching it less from a consumer review perspective and more of like a arts history perspective, trying to kind of contextualize what, where a game came from, what it ended up leading to, um, its place in that point in history, and kind of our feelings and uh, experiences with it contemporaneously. And so it's um, there's a lot to uncover there, and uh, you can either go back and hop through our backlog of games that you like, or you can um, try games that you've never even heard of before and probably get a pretty well-informed perspective on um, and a, a much longer wish list than you had previously. <laughs> I know. Yeah, nothing nothing sells a game better than a bunch of people talking about it for two straight hours. You're like, oh, man, <laughs> I didn't know if I was interested in this, but suddenly I'm thinking about the music and the 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 gameplay and the way everybody describes it and the different experiences I want to share in those and I think or sometimes now well. I know that I absolutely don't ever want to hop into that. <laughs> that's right I'm so glad they pained through this instead of me <laughs> all right well I think that does it for us this week you guys and that does it for us this year thank you so much to everybody who has listened to the show Pixels Weekly this is our inaugural time doing this we didn't think it was going to be anything and yet here we are 42 episodes in not quite as many as sound of play or, or gain of Prince, <laughs> but uh trying to chalk up those numbers you guys have to take a longer break so we can catch up or something okay <laughs> um just a 200 shift we, over the uh, daily break. shows it shouldn't be a problem right yeah. <laughs> that's right we're gonna start cranking them out <laughs> in 2017 um yeah i you, guess thank you to everybody in 2016 thank you to you guys for coming on the show and and for being a part of our our family, I guess here that we started, and um, yeah, just nothing but thanks. Thanks Ryan, for do you think us. you want to um, you think you want to mention the, the the plans for this uh, for those um, Christmas slash holiday weeks that we're gonna have for the show? Yes, yes. Okay, so we will take a couple weeks off and be back. What is that? January seventh? Is that 7th, how calendars works? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll be returning on January 7th. We're going to play. We still have some episodes out for you. That'll be some replays slash clip shows and stuff in the meantime, um, as well as some content that you may not have heard before. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. And until next year. Happy New Year. Oh, oh my God. She right? was thinking about this one. <laughs> oh, no, now we have to do all new goodbyes. Until next year. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> See you a lot later. Yeah. Happy trails, buckaroo. <laughs> Cheers, mateys. Beautiful. And we'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs>